1: financial advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to InvestDoc. This is our Thursday, January 4th, 2023 edition, and the year is well underway, but our job continues just like it does every day, trying to help you move forward and take that next step in your journey towards your own version of financial freedom. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited to answer your finance and investment questions today and give you my unbiased perspective, developed from over 20 years of investing experience. Now I'm going to run down the show topics they usually do, as well as the market performance. But we're going to hit our first caller question now.
2: Hi, Steve, Justin. This is Sid from Charlotte, North Carolina. I would like to see if you are seeing a good value long-term or Oracle, O-R-C-L is the ticker symbol, Oracle. Please let me know what's your opinion, and if you think it's the right company, what could be the buying point? Thank you so much, and happy new year. Bye.
1: Well, happy new year to you as well, and you're looking at Oracle, and this is a name that had been doing fairly well up until the summertime. Uh, and it peaked right around 125 dollars per share. Now we're at about 102, so a decent pullback overall. If you zoom out to a weekly chart, we're still in an uptrend, but near term, it is definitely in a downtrend. You know, w- the next major support level is around 90. So, from a technical perspective, that's where you would probably want to pick it up. Now, the reason why it peaked was because growth started to slow last year and into, say last year, 2022 and into early last year, growth on the revenue side was in the mid to high teens for four quarters in a row. And then the last two quarters, it's decelerated to 9% in the third quarter and the final quarter, 5%. So That's really what is happening here, is a deceleration in growth, and therefore, you have multiple contraction. That's how these things work. The market is pricing a certain level of growth, and the, the growth disappoints, that stock will get hit, and that's what's happening right now. Now, Oracle, been around a long time, since 1977. It's one of the original software names. You know, they do have a decent amount of debt, so that would worry me a little bit. Uh, enterprise value to EBITDA currently is at about 18 times. Historically, that's more around 15 times. So I would say it's slightly overvalued. I think at 90 is where you really want to pick it up. That's where kind of the fundamentals and the technicals line up. But until then, I'll just keep it on my watch list. But good company. Glad you are taking a look at it. There were a lot of ground to cover over the next 40 minutes or so. And... Time permitting, this is what I have planned. Our main focus point is in regards to the sensible takeaways from 2023. And as we embark on 2024, there are some lessons that can, I want to say be learned, hopefully learn most of these lessons, but uh, in, in many ways we're reiterating and maybe saying in a different way that could hit home a little bit better. So, you know, how should you rebalance between value and growth and whether or not uh, your strategy is aligned with the current trends that we're seeing in the market. I also want to touch on a few other topics. One is in regards to the super majors, Exxon and Chevron. They, for many years, were not big players in the oil markets. You know, they were kind of losing their impact to the shale names because shale became the marginal producer in the world. Now they have with some acquisitions, they have taken center stage in many ways once again. So we're going to look at that. Also auto sales, they bounced back last year and what should you expect for 2024? Especially in the EV market, we're going to look at that. And then lastly, Migration patterns, continuation of migration patterns that we saw during the pandemic and how has that continued over the past year or so. So we're going to look at that as well. We also have some voice bank questions. One is in regards to covered call strategies as well as consolidated water company, CWCO. Now let's take a look at the market performance for today. It was the third day in a row of negative performance for equities and while it was negative it was not certainly not as negative as the last as the first couple of days of the year you had the broad U.S. market down about 31 basis points 0.31 percent small caps did the best only down about 10 basis points there so kind of a mixed bag overall we do have the jobs number coming out tomorrow so Uh, That's what is going to be on the docket for market movements uh, tomorrow to see, you know, are the jobs figures, are they backing up the Fed in their pause? Are they potentially accelerating their move towards a rate cut? That will be what we will see uh, tomorrow. The ADP number did come out uh, solid, 160 something uh, was the number, so... Not terrible, not amazing, but once again, it's going to be all about uh, tomorrow. Let's see, where their big movers, Walgreens Boots, that was down 5%. Amazon down 2% on the day. You had, uh, let's see, Mobileye, uh, that was, that's a company that is sells uh, chips for automated driving, down 24%. Sunrun, a uh, solar company, down 7.5%. Apache, oil name, that was down 7%. But you had some of the uh, some of the techier names actually did decent. Uh, Peloton was up 14 percent. Marathon Digital, the, the the Bitcoin miner that was up 14 uh, percent, kind of eyeing what's going to happen, potentially happen uh, next week with uh, the Bitcoin ETF. So that was the, the market for today, really holding steady as we go into the jobs number tomorrow. Now, as we go into the break, let me remind you that you can check out our new Invest Talk Classroom series. It is streaming now for free on our YouTube channel. The topic for episode 14 is titled How to Prioritize Your Savings. We talk about the 40, 30, 20, 10 rule, as well as ways to keep your spending habits in check. And you can take a look at our latest episode by heading over to YouTube and just searching InvestTalk Classroom. Now, the phone lines are open, waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. Every investor
3: is working to build a secure financial future.
4: Would this be an opportune
2: time to get into annuities?
3: Everyone's situation is different. Get your thoughts
2: on CRM, Salesforce.
3: And so are their questions.
2: And I was just calling for your assessment
4: of Blackstone Incorporated. To get your take on Chewy. ticker symbol L-E-C-O. Just wanted to get your opinion on... JP Morgan. Invest Talk
3: hosts Justin Klein.
1: You know, I'm okay paying a fair price for a very good business.
3: Steve Peasley.
1: It's a very well run company. And
3: now Luke Guerrero.
1: Even growth is significantly higher than its competitors.
3: Are ready to provide their unbiased answers. Each podcast is unique, and you set the agenda. I will. Hey, hi Steve. 24/7, rain or shine, Talk is made better by the power of you. Call 888-99 chart. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
1: Now, if you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you may have heard several callers ask about Steve Peasley. Where is he? When will he return to the podcast microphone? Well, Steve has prepared a short message for you, so let me read that now. I know many of you have been wondering why my presence on InvestTalk throughout 2023 was so spotty. Well, the reason for my absence has been my current battle with cancer, pancreatic cancer. My fight has had its ups and downs, and I'm currently on my third round of chemotherapy. My wife, Suzanne, has been taking wonderful care of me, and I fight every day for her, my family, and you, our loyal listeners. There's nothing I would love more and to connect with you again and help you on your financial journey. But for right now, I must focus on this battle. I will be off air until the time comes that I'm able to put this behind me. I know you are in good hands with Justin and now Luke, as they are sharp as they come and very experienced in the world of finance and economics. I thank you all for your concern. And I hope to speak with you all again later in the year. Now, those are Steve's words, and we sincerely thank all our listeners, clients, friends, and Steve's treatment is continuing. We support him in every way we can, and I will uh, certainly pass along any updates when Steve sends this to me. Now, let's go over to our InvestTalk Voice Bank and take another call. Hey, I'm interested
3: to buy this for a long-term investment in my Roth IRA, CWCO. Thank you so much.
1: All right, looking at Consolidated Water, CWCO. And this is a company out of Cayman Islands, and it operates seawater desalination plants. This is a name that's been really on its hair in... The fall or sorry, the spring of last year, it was trading in single digits, about nine dollars per share. Now it's at thirty-three dollars and eighty-one cents. And that's because earnings are expected to go from fifty-four cents in twenty twenty-two to a dollar once they report fourth quarter earnings last year. The earnings are supposed to come down to a dollar nine this year, down thirty-seven percent. So that's that's certainly of note. And I think what you're doing here is kind of performance chasing the technicals are certainly weakening, weakening as of late. This had a big reversal day on the month on the, on uh, November 28th and hasn't been able to recover that high. Uh, so the short-term technicals certainly are poor and, I would have to do a deeper dive. I haven't looked particularly at this one. It's a small cap name, only 532 million. And that's after rallying, you know, uh, by 300% in the past nine months or so. So I think your performance chasing here, typically there's a reversion to the mean unless something structurally has changed with the business. And I have to be very convinced of that. These utility companies tend to be boring. And when you see a big change in profitability, there tends to be a reversion to that mean. And right now, the return equity is 13%. The long term average is around 5%. So, unless you are truly convinced that this new level of profitability is sustainable, I would pass on it. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to the questions quickly. Kevin from North Carolina says I've been listening to the podcast for almost 5 years and love the insights and knowledge you all provide. My question concerns Trek Company T E Sorry, T R E X Sorry, Trek's company. There you go. Trek and Company. I have a 3% position in my Roth IRA that I bought based on the recommendation at 5879 based on your recommendation. Uh, back in May of 2022, recent, it, it recently hit a new 52-week high, and earnings estimates have been upgraded. I want your opinion whether it should buy, hold, trim, or sell. Trexco manufactures wood alternative decking, railing, fencing products for the residential and commercial markets. This is an interesting one. Earnings hit an all-time high of $2.14 in 2021. Made a healthy $1.80 2022 and then $1.85 last year. Supposed to be $2.18 all-time high this year. However, recently, technicals have certainly rolled over. Mid-cap name, about $8.3 billion market cap. Uh, I don't love it. I don't love it to be honest with you. I think it's trading at two. I have a multiple, even forward looking earnings. You're talking about a mid 20, mid thirties multiple. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm passing on this. I don't like this rollover technically and I don't love the valuation right now. Now we're going to a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your questions on the best voice bank. If you're listening via our live stream or on AM, AM 1220 radio in the Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at eight 99 chart.
3: The stock market is constantly changing, and serious investors know that they need to modify their portfolio assets to fit the times. And now with more than 50 million downloads, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley reaffirm their commitment to providing unbiased finance and investment guidance here on InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART.
1: It's good talk. With Thomas, he is in Santa Cruz. He wants to talk about paying off your auto loan?
2: Awesome. Sorry that I can barely hear you. Um, But basically, I'm calling about uh, paying off auto loans early, Um, choosing to do so based on the interest rate. Um, I'm uh, 26 years old. Um, I have the opportunity to pay off my auto loan completely. Um, But moving forward, I don't know if I should just be paying it off uh, incrementally and um, gaining credit, uh, over time, or I should, uh, basically just pay it off and just be done with it.
1: Well, what is the interest rate on that? 5.99%. 5.99. Oh, that's, that's in that area, area where it's definitely kind of a, a gray zone. Now, if it's, if it was below right. five, I would say no, because you could take that cash and, earn more than 5% right now. But it's not, right? It's right. above the r- rate that you're going to return uh, very safely. So then you have to take some risk to earn above that, uh, that level. And oftentimes you're taxed, you know, depending on what you're, you're investing in uh, on that income as well. So I like to take the more conservative route uh, and, and pay that off. Now, another c- consideration is, how safe is your job in, in, your, in your pay? Do you work in sales or is something that you kind of get your salary no matter what and that's going to be pretty straightforward?
2: I have a pretty secure job where I okay. have the opportunity to save every month and I'm on a, a savings plan where it will be continually moving forward, I hope, but I, I believe so.
1: Okay. Well, I would say if your income was more up and down, it would be a clear cut. Pay it off you're still in kind of that gray zone, like I said, but I, it depends on what type of investor you are. Uh, If you're an aggressive investor, it's invest that cash instead and just pay it down over time. If you're more of a moderate or conservative investor, then that would be paying that off. Remember, you're going to be earning, basically guaranteeing yourself that 5.9% by paying that off early. That's a it's not the best yield out there, but it's a decent yield um, in this market, especially if the Fed starts to cut rates over the next uh, year or so. So I lean on the side of just paying it off, having more security there, and then investing your savings uh, in in towards, you know, your, your retirement accounts, 401ks, IRAs, etc. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is set up by this question. Are there sensible portfolio takeaway lessons for 2023, or sorry, from 2023, that we can apply going forward? Now, the first one is the old adage, don't fight the Fed. And you saw that in both directions this year. For most of the year, the Fed was hawkish. And that certainly played out most of all in the bond market with yields going up. And we saw the 10-year hit 5% before the Fed finally paused in the fourth quarter and that reversed down to around 4% by year end. And so on the bond market, certainly don't fight the Fed. Now, the Fed interest rate, though, is not just the only... Variable that you can glean from the Fed. It's also broader liquidity. So, what is the Fed balance sheet? What are the what are the facilities that the Fed puts out there in order to help facilitate liquidity in the market? For example, after the banking crisis in the, in the spring, you had the BTFD. Right, with a bank funding, a bank term funding program, BTFP, that's what it was. And that certainly helped liquidity. So, the real lesson there of don't fight the Fed is don't just focus on policy rate. More and more, the Fed is doing other things, an alphabet soup of uh, facilities that help or hinder liquidity. And liquidity matters most of all, especially for equities. Number two is don't settle for the low yields. But you can also say don't chase the yields either. Especially in equity markets. Last year was a year where, you know, higher interest rates impacted a lot of companies that had a bunch of debt and their dividend yields look high, but many of them suffered under the weight of that debt. So don't chase yields, but also don't settle for yields in your bank account or your brokerage account yielding next to nothing. You have alternatives now. Number three is hold some liquid reserves. Have a bucket strategy. Make sure that there's some cash on the sidelines, but don't go overboard. Don't be dogmatic. You don't want to be all in the market. You don't want to be all out of the market. Making sure that your, the time horizon, for your investments, match your liquidity needs. So have a balance there. Number four is, be patient, and let fundamentals be your guide. Fundamentals of the underlying business. That's the biggest takeaway from the last uh, last year or so. Now we're heading into a break. Steve and I are happy to play your voice bank questions, but we love taking your live calls. And our number never changes, and it never closes on a Best Talk at 888-99-CHART.
2: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.
3: Reminder about the KPP Premium newsletter distributed to each subscriber's inbox every Friday. The newsletter provides a roundup summary of the week that was, offers a look ahead, and even puts forth some interesting stock ideas. And you can subscribe to the KPP Premium Newsletter anytime at investtalk.com. Have you got a question for Justin? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART.
4: Hello, Invest Talk, longtime caller. I had a question on... Covered call strategy and what I should do in this situation. I'm on my paper trade account, so I'm still practicing. But I did collect premium. I sold a one call option on SPY for four dollars and seventy-five cents at the January twenty-fourth call option at four seventy-nine. Currently, SPY is at four seventy, and so you know, since I purchased it, I'm at about seventy percent gain. If I were to close out of that position today. Obviously, there's still some time until January 24th. And so my question just is, at this point, would you guys roll this over into the next month call option with a similar strike price, collect that? For me, it would be around 350 ish premium. Or would you wait a little bit longer, closer to expiration before exercising, just because there's obviously more upside? I just want to get your take on that. Again, I don't want to be greedy, but I also want to maximize, well, you know, doing the covered call strategy. So I'll look forward to your answer on the podcast and thanks as always. guys.
1: Well, the longer you wait to, 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 roll that the better premium you're going to get. Cause remember you're going to buy back that call option. That's how rolling works. You're buying out back the current call option that you have sold short uh, for January and you're selling the February one. And so there's a lot of time decay that happens kind of the last two weeks of of, of, of that option uh, until it expires. And that starts next week. So that's when kind of that, that, that time value really picks up steam and decay. And so that's what we do. We roll them monthly. We, we will start kind of in that three-week period. But in the two-week period, that's where uh, things start to pick up on, on, on rolling that out. Now, a lot, too, does depend on are you going to roll that out just simply out, meaning same strike price, or you're gonna roll it out and up or out and down, meaning out and up is a higher strike price, out and down is a lower strike price where you get more premium. So it also depends on how bullish you are in the market, right? The market's been overbought, came into the year overbought, and the first two days of this year, it's coming back in. Maybe that's just working off an overbought condition, or maybe that's the start of a deeper correction you really never know. Um, So you have to have a kind of a view on the the market uh, and then you can pick the strike price and then I would wait a little bit closer to that expiration. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on the oil majors, Exxon and Chevron. And everyone knows about them, but they haven't really been huge players in the oil markets, or the swing players, shall we say, in the oil markets for many decades. Especially when you consider recently the shale producers. They have been the new swing producers in the markets. It's not OPEC anymore. It's the shale producers. And back in 2014, that's when they were really taking over. Shale really started to take off in the, uh, First Obama administration, that's when it, it started to, the technology was being, was coming to market and truly being developed and and rolled out. And then by 2014, it was full bore. They knew how it worked. They knew how to make it happen. It was just all about buying up mineral rights and land and, and drilling. But missing from that picture at that time were Exxon and Chevron because they were focused on their traditional long-term plays that had longer shelf life than 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 the shale drilling that other smaller companies were doing and they just weren't that experienced in it but as of late they are starting to make some acquisitions for example Exxon is buying pioneer Natural resources for six, nearly sixty-five billion dollars, Chevron, sixty billion dollars for Hess and independent oil producers, and they're trying to get into the shale game. And according to S&P Global, America and Canada together pump more oil and gas in 2023 than the whole of middle of the Middle East combined. So this has been a historic shift from oil production out of the Middle East into the Western hemisphere, because it's not just North America, but South America as well. Brazil and Guyana also produced unprecedented amounts of oil. And that's one of the reasons oil prices kind of languished for most of the year in that $70 range. But this shift is going to put the power, I think, back in the oil majors by getting access to shale acreage and just shale production. This acquisition acquisition for Exxon will double their production capacity in the Permian Basin this year. And so this is a shrewd move by them and shows that they're being guided by economics, that shale technology has developed so much that the cost of production is coming down. And what they're able to do is, with their downstream assets, kind of turn on different spigots in order to squeeze profits in most situations. And that's why I say when people call, should I buy Exxon or Chevron? I say, well, it's a diverse, they're diversified companies. They're not going to have the upside if oil prices go up. Prices aren't going to, it's not, not going to outperform the traditional emp companies exploration and production companies that that's all they do cuz their operating leverage compared to those other ones is low but if you want consistency and 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 good balance sheets etc then these are the names and on top of this it's kind of helping fund their decarbonization strategies. So they have focused a lot on clean energy technologies, such as carbon capture, storage, and hydrogen production. And that kind of fits with their skills in the oil and gas space. So all of this is in conjunction with uh, these acquisitions. So they're focusing on growth and profitability while keeping their long-term options open. And they will... Now, once again, be a huge player as a swing producer because they can kind of change the spigots up and down however they please, just like OPEC can. Now, let's go talk. Let's go to our voice bank question at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
4: Hi, Justin, Steve, and Luke. Love what you do. Thank you again. My question is on Berkshire shares. And really just a general question and your thought on placing the, this share in a taxable account and a way to play value without or with being a little more tax efficient without a dividend payout. Just curious if you can treat this as almost like an ETF and maybe put, you know, 10 to 15% of a taxable account into B shares. Love your opinion on this and I will listen on the podcast. Thank you so much.
1: Are looking at Berkshire Hathaway, and you can definitely look at Berkshire like a mini value ETF. Now, certainly not diversified as well as most value, excuse me, value ETFs that you'll find out there. But if you look at their mix of businesses, they tend to be your bread and butter type of value names. Their biggest contributor to profitability, Geico, in the finance space. They own Burlington Northern, so a railroad company. They also own some utilities and energy distributors. And then they have manufacturing, service, retail operations. They own precision cast parts, Clayton Homes. A lot of good, solid businesses. So can you make this name a bit bigger than your average equity that doesn't own so many different businesses? Yeah, I think you can, you know, 10%. I think that's fine. Now would I go 20, probably not, not like a, a, a you can with a traditional ETF because it's not as diversified, but yeah, I have no problem elevating that a little bit more and keeping uh, that weighting Higher than your average position due to its heft size and diversity of its business. Now I think it's time to note that we are entering a new year. And the big question is: are you prepared? And you know, we try to prepare you each and every day on Invest Talk, but we can only go so far on air. And the big question is: are you prepared to take The additional steps to get your portfolio prepared, your strategy fine-tuned. Well, if you need help, I encourage you to reach out to our company, KAPP Financial, based in Irvine, California. If you don't know, that's in Orange County, Southern California. And you can take advantage of our free portfolio review assessments via telephone or go to meeting. All you have to do is send us a message through investtalk.com. Click on the portfolio review button on the top right-hand part of the screen. And fill that out, and we will get right back to you. Or you can call our office at 800-557-5461. The sooner you reach out, the sooner you get on my calendar, the sooner we can help get your portfolio optimized. Now, we can help you, and we want to help you, so don't hesitate. Every investor
3: is working to build a secure financial future.
1: Calling for your assessment of
3: Blackstone Incorporated. Everyone's situation is different. fun
4: to get your opinion on JP Morgan?
3: And so are their questions. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda.
4: I'm wondering
3: if 24/7, rain or shine, Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. 888-99 chart.
4: Good day, gentlemen. This is Jim down in Miami, Florida. Today I'm calling to inquire about Fibra Uno, ticker symbol F-B-A-S-F. It's a industrial REIT in Mexico. It's hard to find
1: information on some of these foreign stocks, but this one seems pretty strong. I promise I'm not chasing the yield. I am adding REITs to my Roth IRA. Seems like the best place for them. And I was wondering your opinion on this one, if you have any insight on this. Thank you so much. And I appreciate anything you can let me know about it. All right, looking at Fibra Uno, Administración. Uh, and this is out of Mexico. And at initial blush, I go, oh, it's a Mexican company. It's trading $1.78 per share. It's usually kind of a red flag, the fact that it's trading so low in price. But then I look at the business and the chart, it looks pretty solid. Free cash flow around a billion dollars, trailing 12 months. Return equity up 13%, not amazing, but not terrible either. Enterprise value to EBITDA around 7.7, that's fine. And I like what they do. Like you said, they are a, an industrial REIT out of Mexico. And if you listen to the show for any length of time, you know, I'm pretty bullish on Mexico. I think it's one of the countries in the, in the world with the right demographics, the right, ge, right position geographically in the world, and with the right neighbors, us, the United States, you know. So they benefit from our business. And they benefit from the fact that they, just like us, we have two large oceans separating us from a lot of the volatile parts of the world. Now, obviously, they have to deal with uh, some of the issues with the South American companies, Central America countries, excuse me, and Central American countries. But overall, you know, they're oil rich. They have a young population. So a lot of workers and I'm bullish on that. I like the chart here. It's in a steady uptrend. It's pretty illiquid. So I probably wouldn't want to put a ton into this just because of the lack of liquidity. But market cap, 6.7 billion. So kind of that mid cap uh, range. Once again, the chart is on an uptrend. It's in a good area of the world. I kind of like it. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on the auto industry. And 2023 was a bounce back year. A lot of pent-up demand and better availability full of inventory on dealer lots. But stock levels continue to rise. Auto stock on dealer lots continue to rise and interest rates went up, which made more car buyers financially stretched. Industry wide sales for new cars in the US are likely to reach about 15.5 million this year or last year excuse me, once it's finally kind of tallied up 13%, uh, 13% from the prior year. Now this year though, certainly not going to see that level of growth. Most likely Cox automotive projects modest sales growth to 15.6 million this year. And the average prices price paid actually peaked in December of 2022. So it's been going down for about a year and likely will continue to fall throughout this year as well. And the biggest pain, most likely, it's coming from the electric vehicle market. Mainly because of higher sticker prices, lack of public charging infrastructure, and obviously range anxiety. And so, and then you have on top of that, certain electric car companies are no longer getting the $7,500 tax credit. Ford's Mustang Mach-E and some Tesla models actually are losing their tax credit eligibility starting this year. Now we're heading into a break. I'm ready and happy to take your finance and investment questions. This is Invest Talk at 888 99 Chart. Everybody wants
3: a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy discipline, and unbiased guidance. You've come to the right place. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART.
2: Hi, Justin and Luke. Happy New Year to you both. I had a question on a couple of stocks that I've had for a couple of years now. The first one is One Oak, O-K-E. The second one is William Company, WMB. I've owned these for, like I said, a couple of years now, and I just wanted to see if there's any Growth potential here in the near future. Energy was still going to be a, a play um, in 2024. Could you possibly take a look at these and see if maybe I should take some profit or just hang on to them? Thanks. Have a great day. Bye bye.
1: Well, these are not your typical energy plays, these are more pipeline companies. So they are. Uh, OKE provides natural gas gathering, processing, storage, and transportation, as well as natural gas liquid transportation and fractionation. And we own OKE. We don't own Williams Company, WMB, which is has a pretty similar business. Now, OKE did buy Magellan Midstream recently. So that's a growth driver there. And... This is more about volume than price of oil, and and that makes their business pretty steady. I would, frankly, I I have no, no reason to sell either. I would just hold them. Now, understand, these are not your typical oil or energy names. These are pipeline companies. More about the consistent income that you're getting from them. And they can grow, and they do grow their earnings over time. OKE's earnings in 2016 were uh, was $1.67. 2023, supposed to earn $5.80 per share. WMB, Williams Company, made $0.60 a share in 2016. And then 2023, expected to make $2.01. So there is some earnings growth there. So we like both businesses, both companies, but OKE would be our name that we would own over Williams. Now, lastly, let's touch a bit on some migration trends that we saw during the pandemic and are continuing. And that is not just moving, people moving to the Sun Belt. Think of the areas between Charlotte, North Carolina, all the way to Dallas. And this was dubbed the new migration and there's a lot of urban renewal in places like Georgia, North Carolina, and Texas. Whereas places in the Northeast and the West and Midwest shrank. So it's not just where, what general location they're moving, but they're also moving to a lot of small towns as well. In 2020, more people moved to places with fewer than 30,000 residents than to ones with more than 80,000 residents. And the latest census backs this up. Up to July of last year, small metro areas in the south saw 0.9 new arrivals per 100 residents, while southern cities in general saw just a 0.6% increase. And Austin felt it the most. Right, That was the biggest, that was the, the place where if you're moving to a big city in the south, most people moved to Austin. Mainly because of jobs. Amazon, Apple, Google, Google, Meta, and Tesla all set up headquarters there and offered a lot of jobs. From 2010 to 2020, Austin grew by more than any other big city. Grew by one third, 33%. But now lack of affordability layoffs at a lot of those companies that is reversing to a degree. Locals are being priced out. So they're, they're moving out as well. So that's kind of, I think to some degree ran its course, but from a migration standpoint, those smaller cities, if you're looking, say real estate investments, a lot of people don't want to invest out of state, out of area. I get that. But those places with the best migration patterns, are going to do the best from a nominal perspective? Now I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Stephen, I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to check out our newest Invest Talk Classroom series over on YouTube titled How to Prioritize Your Savings. Independent Thinking, Shared Success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.